What's up, fam? Welcome back to the Whoa That's Good podcast. Happy Wednesday, everybody. I hope you're having a great week. It's about to get better because we have an awesome guest on the podcast. I'm always singing him in passing, so I'm grateful to have a full conversation with him today on his new book. Y'all are going to love this, Dangerous Jesus. Get ready mm. because this is a word and it's straight from KB. Thank you so much, uh. KB, for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. God bless you. And I'm excited about the conversation and also appreciate so much the way you serve God's people. Oh, thank Mm -hmm. you. I appreciate that. And uh, me and Christian love you and all that you do and you put out. Look, people might not know this about me. This is is kind of a hidden thing everybody's about to know that I actually love Christian rap. And literally, I listen to Christian rap almost every single morning on my way to work and stuff. So it kind of, the love came from, I was on a tour with Andy Minio and got uh-huh. to, you know, hear him every single night. And I just go out there with my friends, we goof, we just dance, you know, all we're all on Straight tour up. having fun. And then I yeah. just got hooked. So you and Andy, I love it. not today. I love it. I love not today. Yeah. All kinds of stuff yeah. that you put out. 10K. I mean, big fan. Okay. Oh, all right. Okay. I'm not kidding. Okay. You might not <laughs> believe it, but I, I love it. And so I'm grateful to, to have you on the podcast. Well, I got to start the way I start every single podcast on Well, That's Good. And that is asking a big question. And it is, what is the best mm-hmm. piece of advice that you've ever been given, KB? Oh, what <laughs> a big. difficult question. <laughs> I know. So what a bad. difficult question. Uh, can I just uh, can I just give a good piece of advice that someone has given me? We'll take because it. I, I feel we'll like take it. Tonight I'm gonna be on I'm gonna be like it's gonna be like 2 a.m. I'm gonna pop out of my sleep like that was not the best <laughs> advice. It was better. Okay. We'll take um, it. one of the one of the things that um has been extremely helpful for me um is this this kind of concept that I'm giving my boys that it, it was something that was instilled to me when I was younger, but it's a simple, very elementary phrase. It got a little rhyme to it. It is do your best and trust God with the rest. Okay, it's good. And it's good. for 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 me, I I I can like all of us have this illusion of uh, feeling like. Uh, control is something that I can truly have that I can through my intellect, my, my, my gifting or my ingenuity control and manage things. And I envision how things should be. And then when they don't turn out that way, it's like I'm almost having to attend the memorial service yep. for my dying, my, my, my dying plan or my dying dream or yep. my dying expectation. If you can learn to go as deep as you can with what you can do in terms of sharpening your skills, uh, d- deepening your character, staying sincere uh, for the Christian influencer. Stay human, be touchable, uh, serve God's people, be present in your it's community. Good. If you can be as deeply connected to God and, and sharpening your and continue to sharpen your abilities and strengthen your character, let God worry about how far that takes you. If, if that good. goes as wide as the world, amen. I just want to live a life that is full. It doesn't yep. need to be, uh, it doesn't need to be the most sex- successful. It doesn't have to have all the, the sexy awards. I just yep. want it's a count for the kingdom and I'm happy in that. So yep. that's what I mean when I, I I'm it's teaching good. my boys this, do your best, trust God with the rest. That is so good. I love that. And it's so good too, yeah. because it's catchy and it'll stick with you. And I just think some of those little catchy things, even though, you know, sometimes we look past and we're like, oh, that's what dad says. That's what mom says. Those are the things that stick with you the most. And my grandma used to say to me um, in the morning before school, if we'd stay that at her house every time, she'd say, be a good leader and example today. So simple. But I like always remember that. And I still like consciously think about that. Like today, be a good leader and example in whatever ways that presents itself. And so I love that so much. That's such a good way to start. Um, so I, like I mentioned, I do love Christian rap. I know you do all kinds of other things. You have an amazing podcast. I was listening to it this week. You um, are an author. We're talk about that. But uh, tell us a little bit about, because you wrote about this in the introduction, how you even got introduced to Christian rap and kind of a little bit about the back, the backside of your story. Yeah. Yeah. Great question, uh, Sadie. I, um, so just to kind of fast forward to, from birth to being about 15 years old, (laughs) um, 
in my teenage years, um, they were marked by a broken home, um, uh, a dramatic change in scenery. I uh, was at one point being raised for a significant amount of time on an Air Force base uh, in southern Illinois. Uh, Scott Air Force Base. And when my parents divorced, uh, I find myself living back in the city in which I was born. Um, and uh, I was surrounded by uh, a world of drama, um, abject poverty. Um, I found myself uh, trying to figure out what it meant for me to matter or to grow or be a man in this environment, but I was doing it, it felt like by myself. And as a result of my different efforts to establish myself, mm -hmm. um, what that meant to this, so I want to get respect from the people around me. I want to be someone of means. I want to be someone of access. As I was trying to uh, realize uh, yeah. a sense of, of worth and value, I found myself sinking dark, uh, deeper and deeper into a pit of darkness uh, wow. in that extremely dark place. Um, Somebody gave me a Christian hip hop CD. <laughs> the title of the project was called Bloody Streets Volume One. Uh, uh, they, the, the, the gentleman on the front cover of the album had dreadlocks, had a red bandana going across his forehead, a red bandana going across his mouth. Uh, and I was like, okay, so this must be Bloody Streets is, you know, it must be killing people. There's no way that this is, uh, this is either robbing a bank or, or something else or worse. It cannot be Christian. But the gentleman that gave it to me said, no, this is Christian music. Didn't explain it to me, just gave it to me and said, you be the judge. So I took it home. Uh, I listened to the album. I loved every single song. It That's sounded awesome. like the music that I was listening to, but the content was different. It was wow. uh, nutritious. It was life altering. It was, I could relate to it. But it was taking me somewhere other than just flexing on people that I, I want to flex in front of yeah. or taking me somewhere uh, deeper than, than bragging or or being better than the person that's next to me. It took me to the cross. Wow. The eighth song was a gospel presentation. Um, and at my grandmother's house, listening to that album, I prayed with that rapper. Um, and I found out very quickly that the bloody streets was about the blood of Jesus that wow. covers people who are in the streets Come that on. you might feel like you were forgotten. It doesn't matter who has overlooked you. Yeah. Jesus sees you. And if he That's sees good. you, it doesn't matter if anyone else does. And this savior wow. was water to my thirsty soul, life to my dead bones. Wow. And I trusted Jesus, listened to that album, and I've been walking with Jesus ever since. Wow, that is so cool. Yeah. It's so cool too, probably for you as you write songs, knowing that you're going to have that impact on people's life that that guy yes. had on you not knowing. Like, How cool is that? I well mean, said. I think that sometimes we underestimate some of the gifts that God's put in our life and how it's like God's using those gifts to minister to the people around us. When yes. we really think about it, we're like, when I was impacted by someone's gift, by someone walking and their gifting and the, the fullness of what God had for them. And so Absolutely. that's super cool to think about. I mean, yeah. I mentioned listening to Andy, Andy Minio and I was listening to one of his songs one time and it's rap music, so it's fast, you know, but I'm listening and all of a sudden I just start crying. And it's like all of a sudden mm. I was like hearing what he was saying and yeah. um, just how it was ministering to me. And your music does the same thing for so many people. And so yeah. I just think that's I love that. amazing. So yes. one thing that's just so cool about this book is that it's called Dangerous Jesus. And I know yeah. just even some people are looking at that. They're like, what does that even <laughs> like, mean? Whoa, whoa, what's happening what there? does this mean? Um, but when you start to read the book, you quickly realize just the power behind it and your revelation of Jesus being this dangerous Jesus and what that meant. One thing that yeah. I read that was really gripping was how, you know, you mentioned already that your parents got divorced and right. you all of a sudden kind of had to be the man of the house. You were living in a totally different scene and yep. you had this desire to have a gun based off of like wanting to be like secure. And yes. it was kind of in that time that you realize the power of a dangerous Jesus. So can you tell us yes. a little bit about that backstory? Of course, of course, of course. Great question. Um, I, I chose that that title, Dangerous, uh, not to just be provocative for provocative sake, but I think that it's a it's a good word to think about the the realities that um that we we deal with. I, I wrote this book particularly thinking about Gen Zers, millennials, folks who are on the edge of sort of losing their faith or those who uh, have already walked away or those who've not considered Jesus. Uh, there are, uh, I'm, I'm writing this to put this 
portrait of the Jesus of the Bible in front of people in hopes that if you could see him for his power, his wonder, uh, his beauty, his glory, that, that there would be no more convincing. You would become obsessed with what you, what, with what you see because he's too beautiful for the, there to be any other reaction. For me, I, I hail from hip hop culture. There's a sort of triune, um, uh, value system for m- mo- many people that come from hip hop culture. And that is this idea of money, power, and respect. He who has the most of that, <laughs> he who has more of that has more, uh, manhood. They have more life. They have mm-hmm. more. The thought was happiness. Uh, you, you have more security that you were secured in how much money, power and respect. And that's just not a hip hop culture. I think that that's just a cultural it's phenomenon. True. It's at yeah. the bottom of, uh, of a broken humanity's deepest desires. And what I found profoundly in the Lord Jesus Christ is that he is the the, the, the zenith, the apotheos, I'm, I'm trying to use regular words. I'm sorry. Um, he is, <laughs> I, was, I used apotheosis in my last interview. I was like, why did you even say that? Um, <laughs> I love it. I'm like, define <laughs> it, but I love it. <laughs> yes. He, he is, he is the fullness, the most brilliant display of the most resourced. Uh, the, the, the God who owns a thousand mountains, uh, a yeah. thousand worlds, the, 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 the one who, who, who is the source of all joy, happiness, grace, mercy, forgiveness. He is the richest being in existence, right? Uh, in terms of power. Okay. What are we talking about? The living God speaks to nothing and nothing obeys. Wow. <laughs> uh, it emerges with things. This is the power of God. And then in terms of respect, there is no one that is worth more, uh, more valuable, more, more, uh, deserving of our worship and our reverence. Um, he is indeed the, the, the one who is most sacred. He is to be most respected. And here's the kicker. Those who refuse to see his worth and respect him, Jesus will always have the last word because every knee will bow, every tongue yep. will confess. If we're talking about respect, God has that in infinite. Wow. So when I think about resource, power, and respect, Jesus defines, he is the sum, he is the most, he's the purest source Good. of all of that. I don't need to be defined by that. My savior is the source of anything that can be considered, considered true resource, power, and reverence or respect. To be in him is to be safe, wow. is to be cared for, to be secured. Then when I think about the word dangerous, you think about in the realm of sports, I was on your husband's podcast. I know he's yep. very athletic. Yep. Um, if you think about someone who is like, you, they get on the field, it was, say it's a football field, and they, like they're the star athlete. That gentleman is dangerous or, or, or if it's tennis or, or, or in the boxing ring, that lady is dangerous. Yeah. The dangerous means that they are a threat to the opposition, opposition that there's, if there's any enemy forces, if you have someone on the court or on the field or in the ring that is considered the, the, the one who is the, the triple threat, then they put the enemy at Bay. They put fear in the opposition. They are a threat to all the things that would threaten our victory. Yeah. And at the same time, they are a safety net for their team. That's what cool. does it mean to have Michael Jordan on your team? You walk out on the court and Jordan is over there on the sideline, you know, getting ready to come in the game. <laughs> all that gives safety, security. Yeah. Oh, we will win. Yeah. And I think that. When, when I think about the, 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 the nature of that, this is a, a, Jesus is a person that steps in. He is a threat to all the things, the injustice, the evil, the wickedness, uh, the unforgiveness, the bitterness, our lack of healing. He is a threat to all the things that would threaten us. In other words, to say that Jesus is dangerous is to say that he is a force that moves in, changes everything, cannot be bought, cannot be canceled, cannot be deleted. And he is a danger to all the things that would be dangerous to us. That's who Jesus is. And then on the flip side, real quick, on the flip side, 
It's a double entendre. I'm a rapper. <laughs> I and I wanted it. to have Jesus, Dangerous Jesus on the front cover because if you're in an airport at Barnes and Nobles and you see that, I also want the skeptic or the, the opposition to say, oh, wait, yeah, Dangerous Jesus. Jesus is dangerous. We need to get rid of him. Yeah. No, 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 no. I also want to draw you in so that you can see yep. that there is a kind of dangerous that comes out of misappropriating Jesus, wow. taking Christianity and hollowing it out. Yep. As um, as Dallas Willard said, wanting Jesus, simply becoming like vampire Christians that want Jesus for his blood, but they don't want him for his life. Dang. That kind of Christianity is dangerous. And we want to discern the, misrepresent the, mis the misrepresentations of Jesus yep. from the true Lord Jesus Christ of the scripture. Yep. Come on. Let's go to church. That is so good. I love it so much. You know, I, I can't help but think people are listening to this and they're like, man, I've never even heard of that Jesus. Like, I do want mm. that Jesus. You know, it's like they've it's been fed this um, false gospel or had this false representation yeah. of Jesus because of people in the church and how they treated them. And you actually talk yeah. about this. And I love this. You, you talk about who are you proclaiming? Are you proclaiming the Christianity of the land or Christianity of Christ? Mm, and you talk yes. about this mainly in the context of how this was displayed during slavery and how yes. horrible that was. In what yeah. ways do you see some of that displayed in today's time? And do you yeah. feel like is the danger that we're faced with on how we're getting Jesus wrong as like following the Christianity of the land and not the Christianity right. of who Christ really is, like the Jesus yeah. that you're talking about? That's so yes. incredible. Absolutely. Amen. Yeah, that's right. I framed uh, the launch pad into the book because the book is like chapter after chapter of all these different ways in which we might know Jesus for who he is and not the Jesus that often is imagined in mainstream in the, yeah. in the world. So through like friendship, through, you know, uh, uh, enjoying life, uh, being a Christian and enjoying life. I'm super excited about that chapter, uh, cool. through justice, so on and so forth. But any, anyways, uh, and I, and Frederick Douglass gives us this, Frederick Douglass, one of my um, an American hero, one of my favorite people in history, gives us this this framework of there's there's always going to be the Christianity of the land, and we are needing to reject that and embrace the Christianity of Christ. The Christianity yeah. of Christ is a, an unimaginable good for our souls in our world, but it is often uh, distracted or um, uh, it is often um, sort of uh, this sort of. Uh, in competition with the Christianity of, of the land. So an example of that, one of the things that I've been struck by um, is Jesus's words um, where he talks about the, the, the two, uh, the, the great commandment where he, he, he says that you're to love your God with everything. And I have quoted that verse for many years, love your God with everything and then love your neighbor uh, you know, uh, like you love yourself. But if you, if you look at the way Jesus talks about it verbatim, he says that all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. And hmm. these two commands, Jesus says that the first, love your God with everything, is like the second. It's likened to the second, which is to love your neighbor, which says to us that those are certainly two different commands. Uh, one, and the order is important. We love God with everything that qualifies our love for everyone else. But we are wrong if we miss Jesus's words when he likens the two. He connects them at the hip. So, so much so mm -hmm. that you're not doing one if you reject the other. Yeah. So if, if you say, um, I love God with all, all my, my, my heart, mind, you know, body, strength, all of that jazz, <laughs> yet I don't love my neighbor. Yeah. The Bible wants to say that that's not safe at all. That's actually antithetical to the kingdom of God in wow. a lot of ways. What it means to truly be a follower of the Lord Jesus is that you are a lover at the, the essential, the That's sort good. of, um, here, here, I was about to say ontological. <laughs> <laughs> hey, All we right. can get up to that no, level. We can be Googling some definitions later if we need to. It's ontological. Yes. Uh, I'm, I'm, I don't even know what these words mean. So uh, anyways, the essence of what it means to follow Jesus at the core of who you are, your raison d'etre, your reason for living mm. is that you love God and you love people. And those things are so 
tantamount what it in, into what it means to love to, to walk with God. That if you look at Revelation chapter two in the church of Ephesus, where they have great doctrine, they have a church that is is kicking out false prophets. The 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 John in Revelation talks about there being uh, this sect that Jesus doesn't like, and Jesus says, "Y'all don't like these folks. I don't like them either." Some theologians believe that that sect is a group of individuals that have a strange approach to sexuality. Hmm. And he says in that text, though you have good biblical sexual ethic, you have great doctrine, you don't tolerate membership with individuals that misrepresent me theologically, but I have this thing against you. You have abandoned your first love. Wow. And then Jesus says, not just get that together or we're going to have a problem or just try to see if you can do better. That's what I think I would say to my kids. Did a great job, son. But see if you can kind of tweak this. That's not what he says. He says, if you don't return to your first love, I will shut you down. Wow. And what that says is that no matter how much good is present, if this one good thing in terms of um, uh, having this love for Jesus that is displayed also in your love for people, as he says, return to the works you did at first, those good works of loving neighbor. If that is missing, it doesn't matter how much good you have. The one good thing that is missing weighs more than all the good things that are present. Yeah. And what I'm saying is the Christianity of Christ has to emerge as a world of lovers that commit Great. themselves to holding fast to their doctrine as the early church did, not uh, uh, compromising on what it is that they believe. But once you've stated your narrow truth, which I probably agree with you on, what happens next? Are there other ways in which we might, by our lives, show a world mm-hmm. what the love of God looks like by the way we serve, we care, that's we great. sacrifice? Yeah. That's the heart of the Christianity of Christ. Gosh, that's so good. Man, if we get that, if we start to live like that, I think that's whenever Oof. you truly start to see me, the world change. I love how you said there's a quote in your book. I was like, that is so good. You said, we don't just need a revival. We need a recovery of who Christ Oof. is. I was like, that is so yes. good. Like we're looking for all these new things. It's like, go back to the thing and follow that. Yes. Like, go back to the yes. words of the Bible. It doesn't need to be something new. It needs to be the old made new, you know? Absolutely. So Say so that, good. Sadie. That's so good. good. Um, you know, I want to ask you, because I was listening to a clip from your podcast this week, and you were talking about, it was making me laugh, because it was like, it just made me think of me and my friends, and you're talking about a past season of your life, and you're just laughing about, you can roast each other for it, and you're talking about how you, when you yes. first went to college, and you and your friend are making all these analogies about how you were basically like a deer with shaky legs and you're, you're going yeah. in strong. You're, 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 you know, you want to be strong, but you're still a little weak. And so I wanted you to talk about just kind of that season of your life and how you went from that, which was like a deer with shaky legs to where you're at now, because now just this passion for Christ just pours out of you. Right. This love for God is so evident. You can't not talk about it. How do you go from that to where you're at now? Because I know a lot of people are in yes. that season right now in their life yes that's very 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 good and, and i'm and i'm i'm so glad you picked up on that because i think that was the first time i talked about that because i think when people listen to us sometimes they can imagine that we we basically were just born yeah. on fire for jesus yeah. and don't have any kind of past or struggles or anything like that because yes when i was starting to tiptoe into college at first i was like a, a, a baby deer <laughs> um or a giraffe walking on ice um <laughs> So the one one of the things that encouraged me um was having uh godly people around me mm. regularly. Um Paul says you know, it's so funny you said that Sadie about how sometimes we feel like we need something new and something insightful, something deep, something that I'm going to find in on the thousandth the thousandth page of some obscure encyclopedia <laughs> and that's going to be the key but oftentimes it's just returning to the simple things. Paul right. said, we have lots of debates about what certain verses mean. Uh, but there are a lot of verses that are just crystal clear, such as bad company yeah. <laughs> corrupts good morals. Uh, Jesus says to the disciples, I don't, I no longer, I, lo- I no longer just refer to you as servants, but you are friends. Yeah. We think about the triune God, Father, Son, and Spirit who existed before creation as a friendship that they, these are, these, these are, these are, uh, distinct persons who are in community 
with one another, that the triune God that we serve is a community of fellowship that then creates human beings out of that. And I love that Jesus calls the disciples friends and he calls me and you friends because that gives us the framework of how we are to live this life. Yeah, Godly friendships shape us and to not have those gives you perhaps one of the most important requests on your prayer list that God would send you men, women, brothers, sisters that can help hold you up because in this world, you will have trouble. You will be shaky. You will will fall. You will be confused. There is a cross for us all. I am in my thirties now and there are things that I could not have prepared for. I I don't know what it is to to bury someone I love. I had I wasn't mm. doing that in my twenties, and yeah. now we're doing that. Our bodies are starting to disappoint us. There yeah. are things that we hoped would have materialized yeah. uh, that have not. There are struggles that we still have that we were our hope in our early twenties is that they would have been gone in our thirties. So uh, yeah. so we didn't really think much about that we had this struggle. And here you are 30, 40, 50, still yeah. wrestling with some of the same things you did as a teenager. This world is heavy yeah. and God's prescription is that you would surround yourself with people that love him and love you. I would say that I am here. I am the man that I am today and I have a long way to go, Sadie. But whatever of value and grace that I have or wisdom that I have today has been conversations of and encouragement and corrections and recommendations um, and events and mm. community meetings and service opportunities that have built a piece of me block by block yep. to stand me up incomplete, but certainly I hope by God's grace going forward and not backwards. Yeah. And I have to give credit uh, to God's people That's around great. me for that uh, result. Gosh, it's so good. I could definitely say the same in my life. Whenever mm. I look back on how I got from from there to here, obviously by the grace of God, but the people in my life, the mentors, the yes. friends that surround me, the church, the family, like the things that I've invested in. But I also will say, I remember being in high school, having no friends and mm. I knew I wasn't going to go to college. And I, I remember, you know, hearing people say, well, it's college where you meet your best friends in the world. And I would just cry. I'd be like, I'm never going to have oh. friends. Like, oh, like where am I ever going to meet these people? And I did, I prayed like, God, like I want this, I desire this. Like I know I need this in my life. And it was so cool when I moved to Nashville it was just amazing how I could not have, I could not have written the story that God was going to have for me, how I met my best friends. One one of them was literally from walking in a store and I was shopping and she owned the store. And a few months later, okay. she's my roommate. And like, she love just it. loves the Lord and all, like yeah. all of these random things. But I say it to say like, those were just answered prayers. Like God was putting yes. people. So if you don't have friends right now and you're hearing this and you're like, well, I want that, but I don't have that. That is not too far of a request for God to handle. I've seen him I do it in it. my life and oh, and in yours, it's so encouraging. I want to ask you about a big topic that you bring up at the very end of your book about identity. And I think yes. that this is so important. And, you know, it was one of my favorite parts where you said, who is KB? And you go on to be so vulnerable and sharing just some of the things that have shaped you and made you who you are. Some of the times in yeah. your life where you didn't know who you are and ended yeah. up finding who you are. Obviously, a lot of people listening to this podcast are struggling right now with that question, who am I? How do I discover yeah. who I am? Um, how do I become who I want to be when I'm walking from who I have been and it doesn't look anything like it. All these big yeah. things when it comes to identity. So can you talk to us a little bit about identity and even just that idea, yeah. you talking about feeling like the invisible man. I feel like so many mm. people can relate to that. And I just wanted you to touch on that a little bit. That's a great question. Um, I I think that in all that the Lord Jesus has brought to my life, um, um, the the benefits have been more than I can ever explain. Um, uh, certainly at the top of the, the list, though, is what God has um, done in me and for me through the, the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. Um, 
in establishing a identity that I can be proud of, that I can, um, that, that I can feel secured by. Um, I just, uh, just in brief, I had, I have a wonderful mother. My mom is one of my best friends. She lives with me. Um, I help take care of her, uh, to this day. She's lived with me for almost six or seven years now. Um, godly, godly woman. Um, I think that I am here because of her prayers for me throughout the years. Um, there were some unfortunate situations uh, in our past. You know, there was some domestic violence uh, that we saw in our household. We we saw some unfaithfulness um, by uh, the by God's sovereignty. Uh, my story it consists of having three fathers: my biological father, who was killed in a in a drug deal. Um, my 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 uh, I had a, a second my, my mother's uh, first husband. Um, who there was some situations there and he was out of my, out of our lives. And then third, uh, her uh, second husband, um, which would be my third father. Um, some situations happened there it was a divorce, that kind of thing. And I remember, you know, getting to this place where I, I felt as though, you know, who actually wants me, yeah. you know, like who, 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 who wants to stick around and, champion me and, and, and care for me. And who am I actually by myself out here? Cause that's mm. what it felt like. Yeah. It, it, you feel that I feel like that's a very human, uh, that's a sort of a attribute of fallenness is that when we go through things, isolation, just, yep. it just sort of burst in our hearts. We even feel like common things that we know other people are going through, but we would rather keep it to ourselves because we feel like we're the only one. Yeah. C.S. Lewis said that friendship is born when you meet someone and you both can say almost simultaneously, I'm not the only one. Wow. When I think about my, uh, I, my, my mangled con- kind of the confusion of my past and, 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 and even at one point wanting to separate myself from my past, I, I, the last name that I have is of a father who at a p- point in my life, because of my hatred, I felt hatred for what he did to my yeah. mother. Uh, I wanted to change my last name. Mm. Um, and, uh, and I felt like the Lord showed me something powerful. Mm. Oftentimes, the glory of God is more displayed in redeeming brokenness than having a perfect situation that does not need redemption. It's true. That God can often, and he's pleased to take your name, to take your identity and make it mean something else moving forward, that it redeems what happened behind you. And the place where I saw that happening the most powerfully in my life is when I asked another question. Before I asked, who am I? I got the answer to who is God. Yep. Genesis chapter one, right? Yep. Genesis chapter one. Here Moses is with these freed Hebrew, these, these recently freed Hebrew uh, men and women. They have been in slavery for many years, small, uh, uh, oppressed nation. They've been liberated by the works of Moses. Now Moses is here standing in front of these newly founded people of God. And he starts with not who you are. He doesn't start with, guys, you guys, you're not slaves anymore. Things are great now. You got a lot to look forward to. We do get to that. But he starts with who God is in the beginning was the God who created the heavens and the earth. He stilled the waters. In the ancient Near East, the gods of the sea were the most powerful gods that existed. They would have been afraid of the waters. They weren't taming the waters like we do today on all our boats and cruise ships. The waters were the place where all the the, the sea monsters and the gods of chaos lived. Wow. And Moses says, God, t- the spirit of God is hovering over them. Wow. Okay? Talk to me nice. This God... <laughs> This God steals water. Then I'm there like, oh my gosh. Not only that, his, his image, that of power, respect, uh, and deserving of worship, that God made you in his image. Wow. Then that would have been world shattering. Like, so hold on. This is who my father is? Yes. Wow. <laughs> and what that means for me is that I am somebody. <laughs> and yeah. I don't mean that, uh, you know, in, in a, in a trite way. Yeah. I, I, I mean that in, 
in a redemptive way yeah. that, that, that you had the fingerprint of the God of all value, worth, yeah. happiness, you name it. His fingerprint is on you. He designed you to be a reflection of his very character, a small yeah. taste of what God is like. That's what you get to do. That the image of God on you is more than simply a theological aphorism. That the image of God on you is a function. What you get to yeah. do is reflect the God who made everything. Talk to me nice. And then Paul says in the New Testament <laughs> that those people, those people who are now being renewed in Christ, God is restoring the original image that God put on us that was broken in the fall. Yeah. God is restoring it. Those people are loved. They are chosen. They are beloved. And they will judge angels one day. One day we will rule the world with the king of glory. That's Come who on. we are. You got to talk to me nice. I'm Come sorry. On. You got you to you talk to me nice. Somebody's you know going to be mean? replaying that every morning. <laughs> they could be looking themselves in the mirror saying, who is my God? Y'all, that is so yes. good. I'm not oh, kidding. Whoever's listening to this, if you need to hear that, I would encourage you to go back and listen to it over and over again until you get the revelation of who your God is and what it really means Amen. to be made in the image of God. That's not a cute saying. That's not just a confidence boost and a, and a self-help yeah. way that is yeah. a real reality of who your god is yes, and what it means absolutely. guys that was that is so good and you know i love that story of moses and even at the very beginning of god calling moses it's like god was teaching moses that lesson when moses was yes. like so insecure and moses is like who am i that i could do this and God responds to Moses, not, well, you are Moses and you're awesome. And God says, I am who I am. And Ooh, I just love on, that. Sadie. He's like, it's not, if you can get who I am, then you will then in return realize what you're called to do. And gosh, that's a theme throughout all of the Bible. You even talk about this passage that I love so much. When it, Whenever Jesus is asking the disciples, who do people say that I am? And then Peter yeah. says to Jesus, like, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And then right after that, Jesus in return says, and you are Peter. And on this rock, I'll build my church. So it's right yes. after Peter identifies who God is. Jesus yes. then tells him who he is. And that is it. how our relationship with God works too. The minute you Powerful. realize who he is, you begin to understand who you are. And then you get Absolutely. to understand what you're called to do. And yes. you do it with a new confidence that you didn't have before you realized who Absolutely. your God is. And so, That's so good. what a great way to lay it out. Gosh, I just love this conversation love so much. Um, also, Amen. whenever you start your church, let us know. We'll all be, okay. we'll all be there. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll be there Sunday morning ready to wake up because you are a preacher. It's just everything you say is so good. God's just totally giving you a gift with words Amen. and it's fun to listen Thank to. You, Sadie. Um, mm. One of my favorite stories that you tell in the book, and I, I think you told us on my husband's podcast, but hey, we got different listeners. So I, I want yeah. you to tell it again because it's a story about you really being called into a, a dangerous situation of faith um, on the yes. mission trip. Because I do yeah. think that sometimes faith does uh, call us to dangerous things. And you talk about this a lot in the book that actually in America and the United States, it's actually one of the hardest places to display mm -hmm. faith because we're not challenged in our faith, because it can yes. be so comfortable and complacent. And so talk to us about the time you're asked to go on a pretty dangerous uh, trip. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Uh, uh, thank you for everything you shared, Sadie. That was super encouraging. And yeah, so this story um, is, uh, it happened to me some years back where, um, my church was planning a trip to go strengthen churches in, uh, West Africa that we had been supporting. And, um, when the opportunity ar arose, I, I jumped all over it. I, I, I thought this is, you know, kind of what I do. My degree was in missions for crying out loud. Um, this seems to be something that would be fit for me. Um, I actually initially felt called to it. I felt, you know, th this is what I have been trained and, and, you know, the Lord is beckoning me to go towards. Um, we watched uh, the, the, pa the pastor at my church organized a meeting at his house for us to watch a documentary about the place we were visiting. 
And I, I, t- I normally tell people how I got to my pastor's house and, and, uh, I was, you know, I kind of sauntered in, you know, you know, at looking around, everybody's good, everybody, everybody good. Y'all got y'all passports, y'all got y'all shots. Uh, you know, I still got my vaccines, you know, um, and, uh, we sat, I sat down and all that confidence I had just dissipated as he put this documentary on. The documentary was rough. I mean, it was Dang. stories of, cannibalism and there was a missionary that was martyred there not too long ago there was two civil wars uh rampant instability um and uh and here we are about to fly over to that and the documentary was cut off and uh he turned the documentary off and kind of the pastor addressed the room we were all shook all nervous and um he started by saying if you don't want to go we're not going to judge you so it's good to to protect yourself. You know what I'm saying? Like that's, it's beautiful. Uh, yeah. So n- nothing's sinful about that. But for those who are called to go on this trip, the pa- pastor said, this is a call to lay your life down for Jesus. Hmm. And when I heard that, it sounded like how I sound in my music, how I sound on stage, how I sound in conversation, even when I'm sharing the gospel, that I'm talking about the the immeasurable value of the Lord Jesus Christ that he be worth even my own life. And here I have an opportunity to test that assumption. And uh, I got very, very concerned, very, very nervous. In fact, I left my pastor's house and was planning on just trying to paint the picture to my wife as, as, as terribly as I could so that she would say, no, my baby ain't going nowhere. <laughs> He's staying here with me. Yep. I got home. I set my wife down. I was like, baby girl, they basically want us to go do mission work in hell. I mean, I mean, <laughs> do, what are your thoughts on this? And my wife paused and she said, well, do you feel like God is calling you to go? And my, my initial reaction was, mm, I don't like that. That <laughs> That's not what I want you to say. Yeah. Uh, but I was like, yeah, I, I think so. I mean, given uh, I am a missionary. Um, she said, well, I think you should go then. Hmm. And I said, Michelle, if I go on this trip, I might not come back. There are people that are going on this trip that are making videos for their family members in the event that they don't come home. You want me to go and do this? I, I'm young. I'm like, there's books I'm trying to write and and, and albums I'm trying to make. This, I want a, a full family. She said, if God is calling you, I think you should go. Hmm. And I said, what if I don't come back? And she says to me, if you don't come back, God will take care of me. Hmm. You need to do what he's calling you to do. Well. And it was in that moment that I felt overwhelmed. Well, shortly after that, I felt overwhelmed <laughs> with this, this sense of, of, of awe that God really is as good as he says he is. Yeah. He's not going to lead me anywhere where anything can happen to me that's outside of his schedule. If sure. I am following him, I will not a hair on my head will be touched. And if a hair on my head is to be severed, and I love my dreadlocks, I don't want to <laughs> lose them. But if that does happen, I will submit to him yeah. in his leading because there is more joy in following Jesus into the scary place than there is staying cooped up right. in my kind of rebellion, disobedience, lackluster, lukewarmness. And I felt that I did go on the trip. I went out there and I, t- I tell people about one of the first nights I was there. Um, I was on a concrete bed in the middle of the 18 hours into the jungle, mosquito net over my head. It's hot. I'm hungry. Weird noises in the jungle. And uh, I started to chuckle. And I I started chuckling because I realized that though I was in a very uncomfortable place, I had the joy of the Lord in full, so much so that I would have rather been, I would rather be laying on a concrete bed in the middle of the jungle, knowing that God is smiling at me than to be anywhere else outside of his will. It's true. And it doesn't mean that everybody's going to go to jungles uh, or that everybody's going to live the life or walk the path of a martyrdom. But for every Christian to equip equip ourselves with a spirit of sacrifice that says, even if it's scary, if God is calling me, I'm going to trust and obey because there's nothing but reward for me on the other side of this. Oh, man, that's so good. That's so true. And I think that's when you really understand what like peace that surpasses all understanding 
is yeah. and it comes from when you're in the midst of the scariest situation. But yet there's this peace and knowing I'm right where I'm called. I'm right where I'm supposed to be, that God sees me in this, that God's led me to this. And that makes me think of that, you know, the story Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. It's like, my God's yes. him, my God's able, but even if he doesn't. And sometimes he will and sometimes he won't. And in that case scenario, they're with the fourth man in the fire. So imagine what, like, that had to feel like, I don't know if it felt like peace, but I imagine in some weird way it did. That right, yes. they're right where they're supposed to be. They're getting a supernatural encounter. They walk out without a hint of smoke on them. That's always like the craziest verse to me. But I had a similar situation where, do you know Bob Goff? Of course. Yes. Okay, I, so- I, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Bob invited my mom and I to Somalia, and uh, he was like, we want to go to Somalia, and, you know, it's going to be kind of intense, but you know how Bob is. He's like, that's going to be great. Let's go. And he's (laughs) like, you know, whatever. And so we go, and I remember sitting on the plane on the way there. You know, we had to wear all the things, and a lady beside me, she very broken English, and she said, why are you going to Somalia? And she goes, mm. you don't need to go to Somalia. And mm. like, it was like, I was like, oh, like, it's just like this moment of like the reality of what we're about to do. And yeah. I have always been a person that really struggled with fear. But at the same time, I kind of wanted to prove to myself the same thing you said. If I'm going to preach this, do I really believe this? If I'm really going to say Sadie. like, I'll give my life to you, God, am I really going to do that? And uh, this was kind of an opportunity to, to test that and to go over and get to just meet extraordinary people and do some really amazing things. And so we went and it was crazy. Like the first night we were there, I felt this like, um, I felt this like fear wake me up and I woke up and I just started uh, quoting us or reading Psalms 91 just over our room that, um, you know, we were just hidden under the shadow of God's wing and just really speaking this over. And I just felt like a peace come over the next few days. um, We came into some kind of scary moments, but just had this peace and this joy. Like you said, it was a joy that I knew, like, I would not feel this joy anywhere else. In fact, we had this one moment where we were, um, we were got to hold these babies that, had been rescued from literally the street. And I just remember thinking, I could stay here forever. Like, I just love this moment. And I couldn't even believe I was saying that, but that's how I felt, just so in that moment, loving on these babies and the moms that um, were there that had been reunited. It was just beautiful. And anyways, the, the day we left, we had to go through like, the most insane security. And the day we left, an hour after our flight took off, right where we were staying at the hotel and everything, um, the largest terrorist attack in that part of the country in the past, like, I don't even know how many years, like 100 years or something, happened. It was it was really devastating, terrible. It shook me. We were so shaken. And, you know, I don't know why I wasn't there, you know? And I think even if I was there, God's still good, right? But Mm. but what it did show me is that God – knew the timing of my coming and my going. And God did call me to be in there in that time. And I think me like waking up and quoting Psalms 91 and believing that over us and then leaving and feeling that protection, that makes me emotional because it was just so real. And, you know, as scary as some of those situations were, I would not trade what I learned from that for anything in the world. Mm, so I think mm. if, if God is calling you for those listening to dangerous situations, to dangerous faith, you have to realize that you do serve a dangerous God. That, that mm, as mm, KB mm. said, a, a God yeah. that's respected that every knee will bow, every tongue yes. will confess. And so if that's what God's calling you into, I would just, from a person who struggled with fear and anxiety, say yeah. yes, because you're going to yeah, be blown away good. by what you see and actually now I don't struggle with that as much anymore because when death loses its sting, uh, fear does too because that's essentially Ooh. what we're scared of the most. And so, uh, KB, I love this book. One thing you said on Instagram recently was this is one of the most important things that you've ever put out. And so before yeah. we end, uh, just to talk about the book a little bit more, what do you think the importance is that you really hope people grasp as they read these words that you've written? Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that, Sadie. That. That 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 is stirring. Um, I wrote the book for uh, three audiences. One is just simply the believer who you, you ain't going nowhere. Jesus is Lord. You're not confused about that at all. But you want you want a kind of uh, you want resources to help you. 
go deeper in that love that you have for him and, and you want resources to help you to serve better in helping people discern from, uh, the Christianity, uh, the, the Christianity of Christ from the Christianity of the land. I also wrote this for, uh, the, you know, probably one of the largest deconversion movements in, in, in history, in American history that's happening right now. Uh, for those who are, kind of out the door, um, who feel like they, we mentioned them earlier in the, the episode, like they have, uh, they've in a lot of ways, um, feeling like, felt like the Jesus that they knew, um, is, uh, is, is basically a fabrication. And, and instead of getting to a purer, um, sanctifying they and many times they there's deconversion i want those individuals who have kind of walked away um sort of deconstructed out of the faith i want those folks to read this book and lastly i'm i'm looking for the the skeptic or the person that's far from Jesus that maybe only Jesus they know has been these mainstream representations uh, where they might actually think that Jesus is not a good uh, mm-hmm. a positive good for the world I want you at the table too because in this book I am wanting people to have a clear vision of who God is I mentioned earlier um, that you know. I alluded to it, but what I do is I'm a, I'm a vision clarifier. I help to remove the things that are making it difficult for you to see. I'm trying to get things out of the way. And like a tour guide in front of a wonderful, wonderful display, I'm here to say, hey, come right over this way. Check this out right here. Look how this is so brilliant. Because if you can see the brilliance of God, you become obsessed with what you see. And I'm doing that in this. I'm hoping that people find me doing that in this book. That's great. There's a clear vision, but there's also a clear path. Yeah. Here are the things that we ought to be doing in light of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And in those things, by God's grace, I think there is revival and recovery. Yep. Gosh, yeah. that's so good. Well, I'm excited for people to dive in. I'm so excited for people to hear this because I personally have been so encouraged by getting to sit and hey, talk man. to you. So KB, thanks for spending time on the Willis Good Podcast and for putting out all that you do. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sadie. God bless you.